You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there. It's showtime. Picture it. It's more time. Did I do that? The Radical Retro Rewind. I'm your host, Ryan Hunter, and Brother David is back. He's it's still in the process of moving, but he's actually in the new house. But things are crazy. You know, when you move, it's not just one, two, three. Oh my god. Can I just tell you, off topic, obviously, we're gonna do one of our favorites from our childhood movie, The Last Unicorn, starring Miss Mia Farrow's voice, or some of her voice. Yeah. So we moved, we sold our house. It literally sold in a day. We got like over 16 offers on our house. Really amazing. Um, Obviously, you know, we adopted, so we wanted to get a bigger house for our kids. You know, we put a lot of money into our house, which I know a lot of people who, you know, have that sweat equity and pride in their homes do. We had no place to go, so we went to do like a double suite in a hotel's extended stay. Let me just tell you something. This place that we went to was the most disgusting, dirty place I've ever been in my entire life. I told my husband he put us in Shit's Creek. Oh my um, god. It wasn't Lady Gaga's hotel. It was disgusting. <laughs> Can I just tell you something with four small children who are trying to climb on the floor? There were stains on the floor. The bathroom was not clean. There was plastic bags over the fire alarms so that people, I guess, people smoke in the hotel room so that you know, they put a plastic bag <laughs> over the- <laughs> okay. God, does that work? I guess. So we say, and I'm pretty... 
I'm a very I'm a very clean person, but I'm pretty accepting and do just yeah, you go with the, you go with the punches. I, I, I do what I have to do. We ended up moving to another hotel. So imagine moving four kids out of a place that we only had like a couple of weeks to pack up all of our stuff to move, then to go to a, put everything in storage. I know, boohoo, right? Go to a disgusting hotel, filthy place, which they didn't even put us in the same. We we requested rooms together. They put us on two different floors. So I had to break up my kids, one dad with one room, one dad with another. And it was disgusting and filthy. So anyway, but we are in our new home. Every child has a room, which is really exciting. We did do some work already. Yay! So we're really excited. We're very blessed and very appreciative of friends and family that wished us well and, and my mother-in-law actually flew out from new york to help watch the kids while we did some transition which was really really nice so we're acclimating to our new lives but really excited and uh, excited to be back doing the podcast of course but you know had to do what we had to do so anyway so like david said we are doing a favorite from our past this is 1980s 2's the last unicorn which was released on november 19th of that year 1982 starring mia farrow alan arkin jeff bridges Tammy Grimes, Angela Lansbury, and Christopher Lee as King Haggard. Haggard, Haggard. Which is how I- Unicorn! This is actually based on a novel by Peter S. Beagle. He actually did write the novel as well as he was able to write the screenplay for this. So it's a rare case when the author actually got to write the screenplay. And from things that I've read, David, he actually came in with his book with highlighted parts that had to be included in the screenplay. So I like that. So he, I don't know if this is his definitive version because I mean, a few years ago they were trying to make a live action, but he at least knew what he wanted to include from his story, which is great. That's awesome. I mean, very few writers, artists get to do the television movie adaptation of, and usually everything kind of gets muddled and then you have all the fans complaining, well, why didn't you include that? Or why didn't you do that? You know, oh, you destroyed it, you know? So it's actually great that his <laughs> his version that. or, yeah, his <laughs> version of or his desires for whatever he wanted to be seen was highlighted in a book that's actually pretty cool. Go in there and like, this is what I want. I've highlighted the parts that you cannot change. I did buy the book years ago. Now, I got halfway through it I don't remember much of it I know it's different in some ways that a lot of it takes place I think the first two chapters was from the unicorn's perspective and then it was from everybody else's like Molly and Smendrick the magician and yada 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 but even rewatching it today I got chills David like I guess it's because you know it's something that we've grew up with and we've watched it so many times but the songs I'm telling you it just brought so much emotion to me I felt like tearing up at the end and I got like really like emotion, a lot of emotions for this movie. I just remember thinking that the animation is very different than a lot of the animation that was out there and probably a little bit different than the animation that is today. I would say that it it was the anime Japanimation version of animation for the time that it was in. You know what I'm saying? It was very different. It's like when you see formats like He-Man, She-Ra, 
Gem, yeah. Thundercats, things of that, the format and the way things were drawn and the animation compared to that animation. It's almost like when you see Snow White versus, let's say, like Sleeping Beauty or, right, or, or even the, the Little, Little Mermaid, Mermaid yeah. or something like that. It just, I remember it being very different and that was very appealing too because it was very appealing and different for the time that it was created, I guess you would say. And even, you're right, and it's in a way, it's like a Japanese mix with almost like medieval art too because they do have a lot of callbacks like even in the intro they'll show like a medieval tapestry of a unicorn and like animate it yeah i really enjoy the art i think it's a beautifully animated movie Re- truly i think so i really do and it's very there's some darkness to the parts there's a lot of there's some emotion there's darkness there's triumph obviously and it's it's definitely an interesting movie it's one of those kind of slightly avant-garde different kind of movies anyway like you i don't even know who would star in the remake well at the time they had Angela Lansbury as Mommy Fortuna. They had Christopher Lee. Now he's passed away. So this is how long ago this was. I think even um, Mia Farrow back in the day wanted, was going to play Molly. Like she was going to step down and play the Molly part because she was an older woman at the time. I mean, this is going back 2004, 2006. Unfortunately, it's one of those things with the rights issue. Things never come of it, of course. But you had the actual voice actors from like for playing like Christopher Lee playing King Haggard and he would have looked unfortunately. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, he would have looked haggard. Yeah, uh, at that point, that would have been fantastic. But so The Last Unicorn is a movie where it's just that. There's a unicorn that one day realizes she's in her forest and she hasn't noticed any other unicorns lately. Two hunters go by, right? And they, or I guess they're hunters. And yeah, they, they say, are. They're you, looking you, for you. Won't, you won't find any. They talk, they're talking to each other and they say, you won't find any prey in this woods because it's protected by a unicorn. And they're like, but, you know, the other ones I they kind of it was like a younger a younger kid with a older gentleman Mm, sounds familiar (laughs) anyway (laughs) um cradle robber no (laughs) yeah it's he's basically telling the kid that we won't find any prey here because this forest is still protected by a unicorn and then he yells out randomly like (laughs) stay stay in your woods because you are the last the last unicorn this is it like protect your forest And all of a sudden, she's like, I am truly the last. So she listens. She heard him. She's like, unicorns might not be seen for a while. She's doing that internal dialogue. They all do. But I mean, I guess she has nobody to talk to, so. Talk to the animals, Mia. Talk to the trees. (laughs) Bitch at the trees. Bitch at the trees. Bitch at the air. But don't bitch at me. (laughs) So we find out the, yes, the hunter says that it's always spring in this forest. Leaves never fall. It's never winter. Isn't that magical? And all of the animals are protected from the unicorn. Get this intro with America singing the last unicorn theme song, the band America. And this song has become so popular that Kenny Loggins in like 1994 covered it for like an album. So people know the song, The Last Unicorn. They might not even know it's from a movie. They almost think of it almost like a fairy tale song, like a, a child song in a way now, but it comes from this. Cool. I've even heard, you remember you sent me, I think you gave me a CD of a, a burned CD. <laughs> Burning CDs. This is like, oh God, how old we're talking of a dance version. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There is a dance. It sounds like almost like the club. Cascadia. Cascade. What was her name? So she gets the grease off of your dishes. What? <laughs> yeah, Cascade. Basically Cascade. <laughs> no, she takes all, she takes all songs and makes some dance songs and pretends. Yeah. Other pe- she takes anyway. other people's songs and, and then films videos for them. Joe but, Amara. Sorry. Yeah. They live in the forest. The unicorn doesn't leave the forest, but she, She's wondering where the other unicorns are. Now it 
it's in her mind, and she's visited by what I like to call a drunk slash maybe possibly high butterfly that rambles. Can we say very much like the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland? Who are you? I'm smoking the hookah, except for this guy that is smoking an amazing amount of weed, like the caterpillar seems to do. He's actually doing like crystal meth, apparently. Oh, is that that's what it is? He's releasing everything. He's like singing. He's maybe he's on some hallucinogenic because he's like singing and laughing, and but then he gets very serious. He's like, yeah, at the end, right after a while, when she's had enough, so she's like, butterfly, have you seen other people like me? He's singing, have you seen? the muffin man like all these songs that aren't even of the medieval times i don't even think so it's like almost like a i don't know it's again, like a again very much like breaking yeah breaking like the fourth wall yeah like talking about stuff that would relate to us the audience watching weird things like the muffin man or whatever he's singing that stuff that would we would know about that has nothing to do with the actual time period that the unicorn you know last unicorn is supposed to be taking place so I am a roving gambler. How do you do? Hello, butterfly. Welcome. Have you traveled very far? How far would I travel, yeah, fair, to be where you are? Clay lies still, but blood's a rover. Red Rover, Red Rover, let Charlie come over. Won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Won't you come home? My wild Irish rose. Be a little respectful, butterfly. Do you know who I am? There's that bizarreness to it. And, yeah, or, or or implying that he is, the butterfly is maybe not of this world, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, it, it like could he be. Is, he's, he's knows of so many things. Or But again, very much like the caterpillar of Alice in Wonderland. He basically, then at the end, he's like, they passed down the roads long ago. Yeah, exactly. And the Red Bull uh, uh, covered their tracks. Not the Red Bull that gives you wings, but the, <laughs> the this Red Bull that goes after unicorns. Where have they gone? Tell me which way I must go to find them. No, no, listen. Don't listen to me, listen. You can find the others if you are brave. They passed down all the roads long ago and the Red Bull ran close behind them and covered their footprints. The Red Bull? Listen, listen quickly. I am listening. Where are the other unicorns and what is the Red Bull? Listen, listen. The king is in the counting house, counting out, counting out, counting. He changes gears very quickly. He's like, do 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 do. That's what it hits him, right? And you will die. The unicorn says that butterflies only know poems and songs that they hear. So she's like, say my name, say my name. If you know me, say my name. Say my name. And he's like, unicorn, un unicornis. <laughs> so he's got the dictionary of the unicorn. But then David's right. He goes, he just switches. Something switches in his head. And he's like, they traveled down the road long ago. And the Red Bull covered their covered footprints. Their- so there's a Red Bull, like David said. And it is not the can. It is a gigantic, literal, flaming Red Bull. Do you remember when our parents had that, what I used to call the La Ista Bonita room, which was <laughs> yes. Spanish Revival, was very popular. And they had a huge, like, ceramic Red Bull. I, w- I really want that ceramic Red Bull. God, they is had it like down con- the basement? They had, con- they had conquistadors. And funny thing is that my old house, we did like a Spanish revival. We did like very gothic Spanish, like metal working and everything. You know, our, our new house is really different and much lighter and airier. But I love that. But yeah, it was a Red Bull, a 
I, I need to that. look. I need to look for that Red Bull. You remember it? I remember it only in pictures because this was when you and Michael were younger. All I have to say is crushed red velvet couches covered in plastic. It was say the. No more. It was the late seventies, right? I mean, seventies, early eighties. No so yeah, the butterfly gets serious and he's like, "Listen, listen, listen." Yeah, crazy. I know. If anyone's never seen this movie, you're probably already saying, "What the f are we talking about?" But yeah, so the butterfly explains to her there is a red. Possibly, and it is hunting down the unicorns. She wants to go on a journey now to find the other unicorns after this butterfly tells her this whatever that acid trip and then drops the bomb. It's like that one friend that's the Debbie Downer of the group. You're all out dancing and singing and having a good time, having some drinks on a Friday night after work. You're all laughing, talking smack about your co workers or something, and then all of a sudden, that one person's like, You know, that the sun is gonna burn out soon and we're all gonna die. You know that Red Bull's out there. He's just waiting for you. He's waiting outside the, the woods. You know the Red Bull is going to give you a heart attack. <laughs> and it's made with chemicals. That's the Red Bull. Maybe the butterfly was drinking Red Bull. That's why he was maybe, all over the place. Maybe. maybe. Who knows? Maybe that's where the, per- the person who created Red Bull got the idea from. I honestly think so because when have you ever heard the term Red Bull before? I mean, is yeah, that I don't even know what I don't even know what reference. Yeah, that would be. So that would be really cool to find out. Anyway. I should have looked that up. I should have looked that up. So you should have horrible we, podcaster. The unicorn decides that she is going to leave the safety of the forest. All the animals look extremely worried about this. They're like, "Oh shit, we're going to get hunted now." There's rabbits. There's deers. There's all and all of a sudden of the birds. weather changes. Right? Did it? Doesn't it look like snow is coming or? Something? something and as she goes they're in the background looking and they're like oh no oh no winter's coming get those collect your nuts squirrels so we find out as the unicorn goes on this journey that yes she does have a lot of internal monologue but she goes through all of the seasons so i don't know how long she's walking david but she goes through winter spring summer and we find out that most people a girl for all seasons she's a girl for all seasons grease i'm tying these together it all makes sense now now, we find out that normal people, quote unquote, cannot see unicorns. So when men are passing her, let's say there's one part when she's on the side of the road sleeping, not a great place to sleep. She's right off the road. We see a man passing by and he just sees her as a mare, a white mare. She, he, they don't see the horn. So she even gets offended at one point when another gentleman tries to capture her because he thinks she's just a horse. And she has this internal monologue of, a mare, a mare, is that what you take? Take me for? She's very, unicorns are very stuck up. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't. They have no regrets. They're immortal. Unicorns have a different way of thinking. So it's not like they want to be stuck up. It's just that They're they self-centered. are. They're self-centered. They're immortal creatures who... No remorse. No, no... They're, no. they're all about themselves. Do you remember that song? Oh, my God. What was that song about the unicorns? That Why the unicorns died? It's talking about, like... Is there a song Like, about? literally, there's a song. I don't know what era it's from, but it's, like about like quote unquote the great flood with Noah and the ark and it's talking about collecting animals and it says that the unicorns basically think they're better than everybody else so they don't get on the ark and they drown there is a song I swear to god you have to find that because that is like a bizarre obscure reference but yeah there's this extra little I don't know if it's from the 50s the 60s but it's literally a song about don't forget the unicorn Noah cried close the door because the rain is pouring and we just can't wait the ark started moving, it drifted with the tides. Then unicorns looked up from the rocks and they cried, 
And the waters came down and sort of floated them away. And that's why you never seen a unicorn till this very day. Maybe that's what happened. So this is a real thing. Unicorns are just stuck up in all media. And the My Little Ponies, I don't know if they're stuck up. No, I don't think so. No, but they're ponies. They're not unicorns. That's true. I mean, they are unicorn ponies, but... They're not They're not pure breed. <laughs> they're not pure unicorn. They're mixed with ponies. A donkey, really. A donkey, really. Well, yeah. My Little true. Donkey. You, you might as well be a donkey at that point. So there is a witch slash, I mean, I guess a sorceress, Mommy Fortuna, played by Angela Lansbury. This character is, should be a classic in her own She's crusty. If anybody's ever seen Ren and Stimpy, she almost looks like when they go close up to like, and they show like the really horrified looking like warts and like hair on Ren and Stimpy or people. She looks like that to me. And she she's just that every day though. (laughs) She could be the relative of one of the witches from the volcano of gloom. Yes, like the mother. She looks like she's her sister, but like crustier. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to My Little Pony again. Yeah, we're tying that in, which we will eventually get to. This is not. the last you're going to hear about My Little Pony because there's another My Little Pony connection in this movie. So Mommy Fortuna runs a carnival where (laughs) this is the best part. Like, this is what I think is smart writing. She collects animals that basically of normalcy. So there's a lion, there's a monkey, but she does her magic and turns these creatures into mythical beings. So if you want to see a mythical being at her carnival, you're going to see the monkey as a different thing. You're going to see the lion as a manticore. But there's a reference later on, I, I I guess we're gonna do our usual format of jumping around the unicorn has a conversation and she says she's basically like a trickster she's like a loki or something because she can't truly change them it's an illusion but she also take busted old animals that can't fight back yeah. and she makes them into these things and she makes one look like a manticore she makes a unicorn who because people can't see it gives her a second look a horn if you could see the unicorn for itself you would see that it has two horns then because she does an illusion so you know the thing is is that and there's another reference where Schmendrick, which you'll mention in a moment, says the truth melts her magic all the time because she can't can't keep up the illusions forever because they are just that. They're not real. But it's preference that the fact that she picks out animals that are old and kind of on the downswing of their lives, so she, I guess so they don't fight back. So she mm. basically... She basically creates these illusions and uh, it's like a circus of horrors. <laughs> yeah, know? it's really, it's like a, a circus of horrors. So Mommy Fortuna is this ringleader. She has in her gang, uh, Smendrick, like David mentioned, he is one of our main protagonists. He is a magician, lanky. but he's, oh yeah, that extremely lanky. He's in like a- he, His lit- outfit looks just like the wizard from the Sword in the Stone. Is that, yes, is that correct? Yes, exactly. The pointed yes. hat, the blue, the the cape the the garment that is like hanging down you can see inside the arms and everything it's this even the same color even the toe like he's got they have these like long like feet like it looks like footy pajamas almost they're like yeah. one piece like feet things he's a good character but he works with mommy as a a, a two-bit magician so she's got the more of the magic and he's wants to be a magician but he's he's like a juggler uh riddle talker and we also have a worker there that has a patch on his eye 
Uh, his name is... Rook. He is like a... He looks like a Igor type character and he works for Mommy. He talks like that. Mommy! Fatuna! So, something you should mention is that Schmendrick desperately wants to be a true magician and Mommy Fortuna basically underestimates this character because she says, look at when they're on the side of the road when they're picking up the last unicorn to make it look like a unicorn, even though it is. Mommy Fortuna knows that she's a unicorn because she can see her for her true self and she asks Schmendrick, what do you see? Schmendrick goes, just a white mare. But unbeknownst to Mommy Fortuna, Schmendrick knows that this is a unicorn. What about you, wizard? What do you see with your sorcerer's sight? Answer me, you juggler. I, I see a horse. Just, just a white mare. <laughs> I thought so. All right. It's a white mare. I want her for the carnival. The last cage is empty. Yeah, he does. He does. He pretends because he doesn't want to elude the fact that he is not as dumb and as untalented as I guess that she thinks, which is funny because his only goal in life is I'm a powerful magician. So he's not showing yes. his cards, which I think is actually very smart. Extremely smart. So David's right. So she's sleeping on the side of the road. Again, this unicorn, she chooses these right on the path sides of the roads. I guess she's not used to man's world, but she's sleeping and she's about to wake up so mommy fortuna says i'll put a sleep on her and she puts this fake horn on her again like david said very cheap looking it's like a curved pointed horn no appeal like the unicorn's horn really looks like one of those unicorn's horn as we would think of it like the spiral looking this this is just like a uh, like a crooked looking point almost like a rhinoceros horn she gives her so we find out that yes the unicorn talks to smendrick at one point he's like don't worry i know who you are and he explains what Mommy Fortune is doing, but the unicorn already sees that it's a toothless lion and the ape with the twisted foot and things like of that nature. So she sees that Mommy Fortuna can't really make things. Smendrick says, when she says, you know who I am, he says, if I was blind, I would know who you are. Just as she'd put a false horn on a real unicorn to make them see the unicorn. I know you. If I were blind, I would know what you are. Who are you? I am called Schmendrick, the magician. Uh, you would have heard of me. And I love the score of this movie. That it just everything just has such a grandioso, mythical score to everything. I'm actually surprised this movie, maybe because it is a little avant-garde and obscure, that it's not wasn't bigger than what it was. I know it has a huge underground following, and it's like kind of one of those pop phenomena. Like it's totally the Rocky Horror Picture Show or the whatever. <laughs> of, you know do what people, I mean? Like, do people like, throw unicorn horns at the screen when they see it? Honestly, I bet you there's a lot of people that do cosplay with the last unicorn. I would love it. I would love it. At least they should. At this point, I feel like I could be Mommy Fortuna because I'm broke, busted, and disgusted right now. You're too tall for Mommy Fortuna. She's, gravity is not on her side. There is actually amongst the creatures in this midnight carnival is a true harpy. So one of the creatures that Mommy Fortuna has in her control is actually a real mythical creature. And the harpy, this is why I think this is one of these movies that they wouldn't show nowadays. Back in the day, 
when we were growing up, breasts on a creature were just part of like, almost like if it was like a mythology thing, it wouldn't mean anything. But this harpy's got three ample bosoms with nipples on them. And they're not like drawn like so in your face that they're, you know, like, oh, here's yeah, the thing is disgusting. It looks like a big buzzard, gross, but, vulture yeah. looking, scary, gross. Another, looks like Mommy Fortuna if she had turned with into nipples, an animal. With nipples. So I don't, there's nothing sexualized about it. It's actually No, but like back in the day, we were able to see this. It was almost like art. Like if you looked at like a Michelangelo. Nowadays, they don't show things like this in cartoons. But again, a part of its time. Right now, they probably digitally removed them. Give her, they would give uh, the heartbeat be a little, um, a top, <laughs> a tank top. There's many things that happen at this carnival. There's people we see that the, the townspeople come in to see the carnival. And when they see the unicorn, there's a maiden there. The children, they're tearing up their eyes because the unicorn is so beautiful. Yes, it's a fake horn they're seeing, but the idea of a beautiful unicorn and something though so pure is really touching a lot of these people that are seeing her and they're gasping and they're they're excited. They, they love seeing this unicorn. During this night, this is when Smendrick decides to help the unicorn break out. They have this conversation where the unicorn says that, you know, they should free also the harpy. Well, they end up freeing all the other animals, but the harpy should be released because she is of true magic as Again, well. Again, where that elitist, that yeah, elitist yeah, attitude. Yeah, that's true. Oh, weird. I mean, but at the same time, it's a definitely a formula for being against zoos and being against capturing creatures and things of that nature. So again, it very timely. I, I, feel, I always felt like Mia Farrow would have played a role in that because she seems like the type of person that's very anti-animal cruelty. Adoption, her big adopters. I, I, yeah, big adoptions. I feel like I see her eating tofu and not killing animals. I could be completely wrong, but that's just my vision of I her. think so. I've, that's how I think of Mia Farrow. I think of that and her adopting a million children. So she does say, keep your poor shadows, if you will, but free her and me to mommy. And mommy Fortuna does say earlier, I'd rather quit show business first. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather give up my People's Choice Award. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So she's oh got a God. golden globe for Avita. You can't take that away from me. You can never take that from me. She does say that. She tells mommy that her death sits in that cage. And I love this line. I've always loved this line, David. You know, like she's like, oh, I know. I know one day she'll kill me. Like she's, she knows it. She's already accepted that. That's what's going to happen. And when they do free all the other animals and the unicorn does, she decides at the last minute, she frees the ape and she frees all the animals as well, but she frees the harpy. And the harpy's like, free me. We are sisters of the same magic. <laughs> but then why does this, the harpy want to kill her even though she frees her? Wouldn't because she go right after mommy? Harp because harpies are disgusting and evil. <laughs> and they've got nipples. they got three nipples. They're harpies. Hello. It's almost like Kong Queen Angela. The harpy took, yeah, Kong yeah. the harpy took Queen Angela captive. She had nipples too, didn't she? But not, she had breasts. They were well, hairy breasts. Well, it happened. Quarantine's been tough on all of us. That's true. Things are not the same anymore. So the, she frees the harpy and she tells Smendrick, Mommy Fortuna knows that he helped her escape. Yeah, so that part, David, the lock. So Smendrick is trying to open this lock to get the unicorn out. We're going back for a minute because the unicorn is out. But at this point, she's not. Smendrick is trying to use magic to open the lock. And he does something it almost causes a storm and she's like try again try again there was real magic you almost killed me but try again she's 
realizing that he does have magic, but the lock is enchanted by Mommy Fortuna. Yeah, so, it, but it goes, Mommy Fortuna does talk to her, and she's like, the lock turns into Mommy's mouth, and he, she's like, ah, 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 some magician, some magician. So, why doesn't Mommy at that point run to the unicorn's Because cage? I don't think it's actually her. I think it's just an enchanted lock. Oh, okay, okay. They get out, and the unicorn says to Smendrick that you must never run from anything immortal. It attracts their attention. So this is almost like a T-Rex in Jurassic Park. You don't run, you stand still, but they're walking away very slowly. But the harpy goes for mommy at this point and kills her. And she's like, I always knew you'd kill me. Come. She basically says her immortality is the fact that the harpy will remember that she trapped her and the harpy doesn't die. So she will remember that forever. Ever. I trapped you! I had you! <laughs> so that's her immortality, eh? That's what she says. And the unicorn says to Smendrick later on that it's the death she wanted. <laughs> so, God... <laughs> God, this movie it really makes you come into contact with death. <laughs> if I die young, bury me in bury, bury me, me with harpies. mommy for tuna. <laughs> bury me with harpies. I don't know. This is when we set out that Smendrick is gonna go with the unicorn to find the other unicorns. And she asks him about King Haggard and the Red Bull, and he does say that he's heard stories about the Red Bull. He's heard that it's a ghost, that it holds Haggard captive, that Haggard keeps him. You know, it, there's so many rumors around this Red Bull and this King Haggard and his kingdom. So they set out to go find them. Along the way, they come across a group of merry men marauders but and in their group is molly who is the voice of katrina from my little pony escape from katrina from 1985 this actress she has the, the same voice even as katrina as molly if you do listen and molly is this what would you call her david she's like a hard or like a hardened woman i want to say like she's she's from the streets no uh, she is a person a woman that hardened she's a woman living in <laughs> living in a man's world, living with these marauders and stuff. I don't know why she chose this path or maybe it was chosen for mm. her. She she lives with these like mock pretend Robin Hood type people. Basically they 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 make jests. They jest about it. Like, oh haha, we're like Robin Hood. Yes. But truthfully, they're not Robin Hood. They're thieves. They're liars, they're thieves, they're cutthroat. And she's basically their cook, their nursemaid, whatever she needs to be. I don't know I don't know if she's they're getting it in or anything like that. Maybe. I think there's implication that she's been spoiled. Well, so right, because doesn't Smendrick say something like she's like very apprehensive about him when they do come upon him? And he's like, oh, I've heard of you, Captain Cuddy and his merry men and his beautiful lady or something. And she's like, oh, well, maybe you have heard of me. So she... <laughs> Listen, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> so Molly has a heart of gold, though, at the same time. And she's not stupid. She's very, I think that she's also very underestimated that, you know, she's, but she's also very direct. She's like, she's, she is from New York. Definitely. <laughs> she's like, I will cut you down. Boo. She's got a heart of gold. She's got a heart of gold. Her character evolves. She's a good person. She's in horrible circumstances. Right. Like, I don't think she's part of these people because she wants to rob from people by any means. I think it's just part of her circumstances, what she's in. Smen 
Kendrick wants the unicorn to flee. Like, so he's been captured by these people. Basically, the unicorn doesn't leave him. She's in the shadows watching what's going on. And he attempts to escape by making Robin Hood and the group of Maid Marian and Little John appear. But they almost look like a ghost form. But David, is it me or is Smendrick's magic not doing it completely? And then you see the unicorn and she almost like helps him, I feel like, make the illusion of Robin Hood. Because you see her. I don't know if it's supposed to be like she's helping Smendrick's magic. I think that she does. I would agree with that. I, I honestly, I do think that besides her pushing him and encouraging him or just pushing him for whether for her own means, I don't know what you want to say, but <laughs> she she does push him. And I do think that she plays a role. I don't know if it's if she magnifies his, his abilities or not. Maybe she does. She's inherently magical. So probably that would make sense to me. I think so. So, so the group is taken by this. They see these like clear looking ghosts of Robin Hood and his group. So they all run after these people. But Molly's stays and she sees the unicorn. Oh my God, David, I know you love this scene. Molly is now older. She realizes what her life has become. And this is the quote that she says to the unicorn when she sees her. Going somewhere, magician. And then she sees the unicorn pop out and she's like, where have you been? Where have you been? Damn you. Like, so this is again, very adult. We're realizing that, oh my gosh. And she goes, when I was 20, 10 years ago, when I was new, when I was one of those innocent maidens you appear to, how dare you? How dare you come to me now? When I am this. Damn. I mean, that's something, isn't that? That's a powerful statement, I think. Talk to her that way. I'm here now. <laughs> oh, and where were you 20 years ago? 10 years ago? Where were you when I was new? When I was one of those innocent young maidens you always come to? How dare you? How dare you come to me now when I am this? <laughs> Can you really see her? Do you really know what she is? If you had been waiting to see a unicorn as long as I have... She's the last unicorn in the world. It would be the last unicorn in the world that came to Molly Crew. I always thought, though, to be honest with you, yeah, that that is so sad, but it's not the unicorn's fault that... (laughs) But the unicorn blame the red ball there ain't enough <laughs> unicorns running around to help you lady again bitch at the trees bitch at the air but don't bitch at me the unicorn does say matter of factly like i'm here now she's not really affected about this like again the unicorns aren't affected too much by human emotion she's like i'm here now and she's like you are she accepts it but smendrick is captured i just want to mention this scene really quickly because it's one of those scenes that i don't think would cut it nowadays smendrick is captured you know the group and after they realize it was a, a trick and they tie him to a tree smendrick turns the tree with 
with his magic, he's trying to free himself. But this tree almost has two breasts, like, in its wood. Like, so when it when he does his magic, it turns into this androgynous tree comes alive. The wood that looked like two breasts become the tree's breasts and Smendrick's heads between th- these. And she's like, oh, yeah. oh, there is no love like the love <laughs> the of tree. a tree that will last forever. Oh, oh. It, this is what she says. The sexual tree I wrote down. Oh, I love you. I will keep the color of your eyes when no other man remembers your name. Tree love is eternal, basically. And then she sees the unicorn, David, and I never noticed this, but I had the headphones in last night when I was listening to this, rewatching porn, and she says, she will not have you, that hussy. But it's like covered like in the background. It's like not as clear, but I'm like, wait, did she just call that unicorn a hussy? There's a theme here that people like immortal creatures will remember you. The unicorn, the harpy, the tree. This is very like, almost like makes you think of your own death, this movie, because everything is like basically like you will die and trees and immortal things will live on and possibly remember you. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is going back to what you said now, now that it kind of makes sense. So he's basically tells the unicorn basically help him and the unicorn goes for the tree. The tree's kind of like going to go to battle with the unicorn and the unicorn uses her magic to transform the tree back to a regular tree that's not animated. So my point is, you were right. Maybe she she didn't use her magic, her inherent magic to enhance Schmendrick's because he wasn't able to do it yet on his own. So yeah, she changes the tree back to a regular tree. Oh, oh. With that tree, it just wor- it's just worth mentioning. Molly just at this point says that she's ready to leave with them and they just were like, what? And Molly just goes, I'm ready. And he's like, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to save the unicorns. And she's like, we'll ask her if I can come or not. She- ask her if I can come. The unicorn could be bothered either way. So she's just like, mm. and... <laughs> <laughs> Let her come. Maybe she can paint my hooves. Mm. So they're on the journey again. They're going down. They're talking about the Red Bull. This is when they come to the castle. And bam, it's night. The Red Bull appears to them because the unicorn is out. So the Red Bull is a literal giant red flaming bull, like we said earlier. He starts to chase the unicorn. I want to add this. It seems like people scream at Smendrick through this whole movie and blame him for things. Very hypercritical of him. They're all very critical of him and I don't know if he's just a scapegoat or he's just because he's lanky and whatever that he is definitely like the whipping boy of the people but yeah Molly's like helper helper you idiot if you have some magic do it so he's like magic do as you will magic do as you will magic do as you will he turns the unicorn into a woman a pale pale woman and Molly again is screaming at him what have you done (laughs) and then the Red Bull leaves because he's no longer chasing a unicorn because he's not that Mark. Yeah, you're right. He didn't realize that she just transformed into a unicorn right in front of him. So but then the unicorn's like, oh God, I can feel this body dying all around me. Oh, yeah, that's, oh. a, again, isn't that a very painful statement to hear? She As soon as she becomes- I feel sick, this body dying all around me too, but I still gotta get it. I don't out. know if I it's dying, but it's it. painful. I know I feel it too. <laughs> the trio with unicorn as human now decide to- continue on to Haggard's castle because they figure keep her human for now because he doesn't even know if he could turn her back at this point and figure out if they could like basically incorporate themselves into King Haggard's castle. So they get to this castle which by the way is as Haggard as the king's name. This shit is falling apart. Yeah, it's it's busted and (laughs) 
you see that Haggard is with his son, who is the voice of Jeff Bridges. Haggard is this kind of crusty, again, very gray-looking man, white hair, gray-looking, deathly-looking, fragile, and his eyes are bloodshot. He just busted. His son, almost like in contrast, is like sunshine and rainbow, so to speak. Like he's bright and cheerful out of this backdrop of darkness and misery. Doesn't belong there, really. It's true. He sees them approaching, and he's like, "There's a there's a man with two women and a nudist." Is that what he says? And, um, a nudist. And she's wearing a newness. I try to look this up, or she's with newness, and I was like, "What is a newness?" I thought he said she's a nudist. Is that what he says? Because she's, na- because she's naked underneath like a cloak. She's a oh! nudist. I, or newness. I, I couldn't hear yet. That part, yes. I wanted to know that what the hell they were saying, too. I think he says n- a nudist, like she's into nudity. There's a reason you never see this. <laughs> yeah. So they go into the castle. They say that they're seeking to be part of the king's court. Meanwhile, you could tell that he's got nobody working there because he's such a cranky old yeah. B- B-A-S-T-A-R-D. <laughs> That spells bastard. That spells bastard. The king's think to himself, like, why the hell would these people want to be here? I don't even want to be here. I'm a miserable old fart. No, he actually looks like Mr. Burns. I just hit me, right? Like a Mr. Burns <laughs> yeah. type. Mr. Burns when he played Nosferatu yeah. in one of the... the, the, the Treehouse of Terror. <laughs> That's his crotch. Take that vile fiend! Dad, That's his crotch. He has a magician currently named Mabrook. He goes, do you hear that, Mabrook? He wants to replace you. And he's like, Schmendrick! Yeah, he's heard of it. People have heard of him. I guess he's famous for not being anything. Being a jester, basically. He's like, Schmendrick, you old so-and-so. But Molly says... He wants to replace you. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's like, you hear that? And Molly's like, well, he's not making you happy, this magician, so... Look at you. You look like hell. Because he... (laughs) No, but then then before that, the king keeps going off on, that didn't make me happy. Yes, that's... That's true. Nothing makes him happy. Yes. Nothing makes. Well, she's like, clearly. That's a New Yorker. She's like, well, clearly you look like hell. That's and why you're is like, Molly, hold your tongue. But that scene, she's a strong character. This is 1982, too, by the way. But at the same time, David, right, Haggard is looking at what they call the unicorn they say is Smendrick's cousin name, the lady, not Antebellum. A mafia. <laughs> a mafia. Yes, thank you. So we already see the prince is looking at this woman like, oh my God, she's beautiful. I want her. But Haggard is looking at her and senses something is different with her. Her. He says, why can't I see my your, my reflection in your eyes? Is that when he says it? I think he says it a few times. And they're like, oh, well, whatever, <laughs> you know. She's got those new she's contacts. contacts. She's got those new lenses. Yeah, whatever, whatever. But he's mystified cool. by her. So I think that's part of the thing why he allows them all to stay here. He says they're all allowed to stay there. And he tells her that she's allowed to come and go as she will. Yeah, I have something funny to say. So basically, he tells Mabrook, basically, if a master magician oh, can yes. use, maybe an incompetent one can. Then Brooke's like getting pissed. And and the son, this is the best part. I'll I'll write you a letter yes! of recommendations. You yes! can have a Is job. that a real thing back in the medieval times, or is that just modern? He's like I'll culture. write you a letter of recommendation. You know, I'll eat. I'll, I'll help you fix up your resume so you can put it on. Yeah, he's like, come on, you old man. I'll walk you out and write you a letter of recommendation. Yeah. And, and then he goes, "Wow, Haggard, your doom has come in the yeah. front door, but it won't leave that way." Isn't that great? Farewell, though? you Haggard. Farewell. Then, then. Haggard goes something to the effect, if you're here to bring about my doom or my demise, oh well, basically, yeah, I, let's see what happens. Again, he's uh, yeah, he says, my secrets hide themselves, will yours. Everyone in this movie is just ready to die, and or... <laughs> I just bit my drink out all over the place now. <laughs> but the 
<laughs> they really starting with Bobby Fortuna. Like the unicorn literally says that's the way she wanted to die. It's like Grace Jones when we saw years ago that she said she wanted to die in the water drowning. It wasn't a plane. Oh yeah, land and on if it? a plane would land on my head today, so what? So Haggard's yeah, Haggard's ready to die. Everyone's ready to die, but they want to be remembered. They want to be remembered. Isn't that what we all want? I want to be laminated and made into a coffee. <laughs> Make sure you're wearing your best outfit too. Oh my god, so we get a montage of Smendrick entertaining the king who could not look any more bored. Juggling. Teacups with real tea in them. And actually there's a fight, there's a fight about that because Molly has a side note with him, so there's a few things going on. The prince is trying to win Lady Amalfi's heart by like slaying dragons and she's not amused because obviously she doesn't want him killing creatures. And he goes into the kitchen, I love this, they go into the kitchen, he's talking to Molly. They cut potatoes. Everyone goes to the the kitchen, she's an Italian New Yorker. (laughs) Molly, what am I going to do? Like he's sitting there at the table, like just talking to her. While she's like, "Well, maybe the Lady Amalfi is not to be won by great deeds like slaying dragons, but like poetry or do something." Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Hmm." And then you see Smendrick having a side conversation about with Molly about the facts. And again, I might be jumping around a little bit, but having a conversation with Molly, and she's like, "Like she, it, this is no good for her. She's going to be, she's becoming more and yes. more human and less uniform." Yes. There's a cat which has an eye patch. A pirate, I, like a pirate so with a peg leg. It's a pirate cat, random pirate cat. I know they're by the ocean, but it's a, and that basically the cat can talk. And he does he, he does he have a conversation with Molly? With yeah, Molly saying eventually there will be no unicorn left in that, and just a human girl. And yes. uh, it's funny because the cat also is holding secrets. And the funny thing is the cat flips up his eye patch at some point and he's perfectly working eye. I love, yeah, I like that, that he's just like playing this, this part. Again, very much like the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland. Mm. Very mischievous, different, not as goofy, but cats are always cloaked in like mystery and they can disappear. Yes. And, and that's what he says, right? And... Like cats can see unicorns, so. And Molly's like, why won't you help me? And he's <laughs> well, like, Molly's very aggressive. And that's, what, and that's what we do. We don't have, we're just, we're made that way. So he does let her know that there is a clock in somewhere with a skull protecting it that holds the Red Bull. So he does let her know that the cat. And then you kind of going around their daily lives, the prince is writing poetry. Oh, we should mention that there is musical elements in this. I know, I know that we <laughs> Like I was going to say. We didn't go into that. There is music. They start to have a romance. They start to have a romance. Is it a romance and, or um, is it one-sided? Because the Lady Antebellum, what I'm going to call her, because Anthame. Anthame. Lady A. Lady A. Shh. Amalfia. 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 Amalfia, I believe. The unicorn as woman. She is not really, honestly, talk about if you wanted to show depression on screen between her and King Haggard, it is like... They're both despondent. They're both despondent. Yeah, between the two of them living in that castle together. For different reasons. Haggard is dying and he's miserable and she is... Dying too, I guess, yeah. Well, dying too, but she's, she's miserable for a different reason. There is a point where there's a rumbling in the castle and they kind of almost fall. Like, yeah, yeah, and, like, oh, and that's just the Red Bull, the Red Bull coming in from his prey yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, King and Prince Lear is just like, oh, it's just the bull. It's just the bull. Oh. You know, it's like my next door neighbors. They have a Mustang. You know, it's just loud. Whatever. But I don't think he realizes the prince, what evil is being done because he's such a pure character. Like you're saying, he's sunshine yeah. compared to, and he. we find out he's not even the king's literal son. He found him. So there is a conversation where towards the, towards the, 
the ending of the movie where Haggard confronts the Lady Amalfia and says, I know what, who you are. I can't see myself in your eyes. I can only see someone who has never seen a unicorn because I at guess this point, if you're a unicorn, you don't know. Yeah. She's like, sire. She's like trying to be like, he's like, don't lie to me. I'll throw you down in the water <laughs> myself. You know, and you find out. You find out that the Red Bull drives the unicorns into the water, and they survive in the waves and stuff. And if you look, you can see them in shimmering. Like, the yeah, yeah. I guess, and this is why he makes him happy. I guess we should set up like he does this to try to make himself happy because unicorns are the only thing that made him happy. Because their immortality, because he knows God. Oh like, that's gosh. Part of the whole dying thing, and you realize his son doesn't make him happy. That he's not his, which is kind of a dick thing to say. Basically, it was an experiment. I'll have a kid to see if it'll make me happy. Everything he does to see, he's just. A miserable but okay so i don't want to give he's a garbage i don't want to give too much into this character because he is doing an evil thing but at the same time he doesn't mistreat the son in any way he seems like he's just, he's very calm with him he lets him do whatever he wants it's not like he mistreats the son or anything by that means it's not about mistreating it it's the fact that he's such a miserable human being that he just does things for his own selfish mm -hmm. means mm -hmm. And he just destroys things because it, or he just tries to make himself happy. happy. You know, obviously, go. You should have went to the apothecary and got some Prozac or something instead of. No offense, and again, mental illness is a big thing. I suffer from depression, but he, he does things very counterproductive. He's a miserable human being. Everyone suffers around him because he's the king. Yes, so that's true. That. That's a great point. That's a great point. But at the same time, is the unicorn Lady A, does she not remember? Because, because you know, she is losing some of her, a lot of her memories as she's becoming human. So it's almost in that scene that I believe when he's saying, you're a unicorn, and she's saying, you're mad, you're mad. It's almost like I believe that she doesn't even know that she's a unicorn. It seems like it comes she's and goes. She's starting to lose. Like the, like the cat said, she's getting fuzzy because she's becoming a human and she's losing all of her memories of, of the past because uh, maybe her capacity to understand or the magic is taking hold. There comes a point where Schmendrick finds the clock that the cat speaks of, or Molly, one of them, and they discuss how they're going to try to figure out to get down to the Red Bull. And I, I do want to add right before this, so yes, so this is a musical, and again, not in the sense of a musical, leading up to this point, leading up to Prince Lear singing a song called That's All I Have to Tell You, That's All I Have to Say, none of the characters sing. It's it's in the background, but once that happens, there is two other songs, one by Mia Farrow singing Now That I'm a Woman to Molly, and then the reprise of Now That I'm a Woman and Now That I'm a Woman, everything has changed. So what do you think? So what do you think about this? So we met, I mentioned this once before in one of our other podcasts. So there's a German soundtrack release for this that's out of print, never came out in America. But in that one, they got a Mia Farrell sound-alike, sound but that could hold a tune more. So <laughs> that's not in the movie version. It's not the worst singing I've ever heard. It's not like she's can't hold a tune, but at the when she does like like David just did like these more of like a like holding notes and sh like that. No. Everything has changed. Everything has 
has changed. That's what it sounds like to me. I'm sorry. Yes, now that I'm a woman could really be an anthem for a, a, a girl becoming a woman like Britney. I'm not a girl, yeah. not yet a woman sort of a thing vibe. So there's a lot of undertone. There's a lot of depression in this movie. There's a lot of death. sadness death. in this movie. This there's, a lot about of death. Death. there's a lot of loss. So, okay. So they find the Red Bull, goes to the clock. The clock is guarded by a skull, David. I love this. I actually looked just to make sure that the skull wasn't voiced by Uncle Arthur from Bewitched. It's very oh, like that, isn't it? Samantha. That's exactly. Oh, Samantha. They realize that the skull wants to have a drink of wine. He's a skull. He's a skull. But he remembers. He remembers. I remember wine. Every Again, remembering after death. It's like a very... Oh my god, this movie is so sad. That's probably why you like it. You're secretly... It's true. You're secretly tortured. Not secretly. But the, the skull... So the skull wants... The wine. skeleton wants wine. So Molly goes, well, I don't have any wine. She looked and looked guess, and looked. Because Haggard's dry, alcoholic, or he's just so cheap or miserable that he can't even because maybe he would be happy if he drank something because I know I would have to if I lived there. So she brings him some water. Very reference to Jesus Christ yeah. which is a little bizarre too. Yeah, That true. he's going to turn water into wine but I guess the magician or whatever he says. But he doesn't even do anything right because he drinks it and he and gives him like, an, he gives him an empty right? bottle. And he's like give it here. Yeah. Give it here. He's like oh, oh yeah. If you're, come on. Come if on. you don't like it oh, oh me Samantha me I'll drink it Samantha. Oh that's wine so he's like fooling the skeleton and the skeleton gets red cheeks from drinking this empty clear glass bottle there's no wine he remembers because he remembers the taste of wine. he goes oh yeah that wine well he tells him you just you can't walk through time just walk through the clock you can't walk through time just walk through the clock that's what the skeleton as he's still drinking the bottle getting all inebriated but he realizes the last one through the lady a not that one haggard right on through about that wine now <laughs> That was the real stuff. That was wine. <laughs> You're more of a magician than I thought. Let's go. Oh, no. No, you don't. Not that one. Well, no, not that one. We're segregation. Unicorn racist. Yeah, unicorn racist. But they run through anyway. They run through and Prince Lear follows because he's mm -hmm. been, I guess, watching in the shadows like this whole thing. Well, it's the only way you can get a peek at Lady Amalfi's goodies, Sierra. Keeps but she's kind of starting to fall for him at this point because once they get inside, they tell him, okay. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm it Syndrome. Is. They tell him. I would have, honestly, me. King Haggard would have had a little bit of an accident if I was on the tower with him. I would have picked up whatever was near and knocked his ass out and threw him over the side of the thing and be like, whoops, he slipped. These are medieval times. People die all the time. I would have mopped the floor a little bit too much, mopped the floor a little too whack. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, King Haggard, every bone in his body is broken. He's bedridden. Oh, well, I guess we'll find the unicorns now. What are they doing? Are they keeping him alive? Well, for, I mean, besides them not murdering No, part. because they're not murderers. No, but, they're not but besides murderers. the not murdering part, they're keeping him alive, I'm assuming, because they need to find out where these unicorns are.
are. They're dedicated. These people are dedicated at this point. So, yeah. Months, so they go down. Months. They walk through the clock, which is an illusion. Yes. Or it go- opens up and it's an illusion. They go down to the chamber of the Red Bull, which I think now realizes that Lady Amalfia is a unicorn. But only after they explain of- to Prince Lear that she's a unicorn and he it hits him and he says, well, I love who I love. So he's going to love her even if she's an animal. So mm, just going to say that right there. I'm going to love you like an animal. But she doesn't want it. Be- at this point, she says, no, she's afraid to face the bull again. Let her stay human. Let her be with him. That's what she's wanting. And Smendrick and Molly are like, no, this is not what you no. really want. And you have to free the other unicorns. So then there's a side note here. There's an argument that happens with Molly and Smendrick at some oh, point. Yeah. And she's like, you're selfish. You're this. And he's like, I wish to God I didn't only care about my magic. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? Because he's been beat up all these months by them probably... Well, what, did you find out today? Did you find out today, Smendrick? Why am I having to cut these potatoes? I gotta say, right? Molly, at the same time, she's playing both fields. She does tell Lady A at one point when she says, I don't want no help from that magician at this point. She's like, he's been playing the fool for months for you to try to... For Haggard to try to figure out where the... But is that also because she's forgetting that she's a unicorn, too? That's also playing into her memory. Well, yeah, because she does say, forgive me, you're right. The dollhouse effect or whatever. Yeah, she's got yeah. But Molly wants it both ways. She screams at him, but at the same time, she defends him. Amer- they they become Maybe a couple, basically. One more time. Yeah. The, the Red Bull does know right now. He figures out she's the unicorn, and they escape through a tunnel. Smendrick turns her back. They're running Smendrick the turns her back, too. Turns her back. Again, they're screaming yeah. at her. They're screaming at him to do something again. He's going to kill her. She has basically has no chance as a human. So basically, he changed her back, and Lear protects her. He walks and stands in front of and dies. the unicorn. He gets murdered. And, and the Red Bull strikes him down, which gives her the courage to fight back. And that's what they say. She loves She's him. fighting back! Drives the Red Bull into the sea, because I'm assuming no other unicorn has stood up to him before. And that all it took was one to glow her horn and push him into well, the sea. Well, it took her to, one, fall in love, which they're not capable of doing oh, as unicorns. Power. Two, regret which is mentioned at the which is one of the pivotal moments where they say basically she pushes him into the ocean or he's being pushed into the ocean as the waves are coming over with unicorns oh, and covering this up. is when i get chills every time come out yeah you see the unicorns and the too. waves and there's this beautiful and they're coming music out. of like almost like a godly music of oh and they're like coming out they're glittering listen mia pharaoh don't be singing <laughs> if it was mia pharaoh my god <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Hagrid's up in his tower and he's like, I knew you were a unicorn. And the, his castle that was already falling apart, it didn't take much. And he much. does fall. Doesn't he does take fall. Much. And he fell and he fell. Because <laughs> the unicorns, fell. correct me if I'm wrong, they run around the castle and like, I think the unicorns destroy the castle. The vibrations or whatever, they knock it down. So basically the Red Bull is defeated, the unicorns come out. Then you see the Lady Amalfia, aka Unicorn, go and touch her horn to the recently deceased prince bringing him back to life using magic of some kind to to resuscitate him you see molly and schmendrick you know there and then the unicorn lady amalfia goes to schmendrick and says 
are you happy now? You're you're a real wizard. And he's like, men don't often know when they're happy. Is that what he said? Yeah. Something to that effect. And so you see that the Lady of Malta is now a unicorn. She's saved the prince. The unicorns are back. And Smedric, at a moment of really, like, remorse, like, at the same time, like, it just really gross, says to her, he's done her a harm that he can't undo. Yeah, oof, yes. And she says to him something to the effect of, I am the only unicorn ever born or created that can that can regret she goes but unicorns are back in the world so yes so she'll always be happy i don't know she says this little nuance that actually can give me chills it's like i don't know what the wording is but she basically says unicorns are back in the, the world again back I in think, the world yeah. and she can and she can basically live with the fact that she ha- has regrets because of the fact that unicorns are back yes it's almost um, it's a bittersweet and, she's happy she's gonna be happy because the unicorns are back but now she felt human emotion so she'll forever change and then the other thing which is really cool is the fact that Molly and Schmendrick, he goes, basically, are they going to... She's gone. The yes. unicorn leaves. She says her farewell to Prince everybody. Prince Lear goes Molly. off to, I don't know where. They said they'll keep in touch. They, he's never had friends before, but hes I guess he's going off... Oh, he'll write them a letter of recommendation. <laughs> we'll never know. And then we'll never know. They, they kill anybody that you don't <laughs> want. They free the unicorns if that's what you're into. So basically, Molly says that she'll go with him. She goes, I will. And you realize that they do care about each other. They, they care about each other. It's almost like she gets girly about it. Like, she's like, I will. Like, but Okay, so are like, they together? Because I never, because I always pictured her older and jaded and Smendrick a little younger. Or are they around the same age? She's a, she's a cougar. What's wrong with that? Nothing at all. I never knew. Like, I got that, that they might have, because she says, I will, like you said, very, like, I'm happy when they're together. But there is a scene, too, when she visits them at night, like you're saying, right after they're sleeping. So she does say goodbye to Smendrick, and she says she's scared to go back home because of what you said. She's she's the only unicorn that's ever felt these emotions. Then, oh my god, it's just so, it's just so emotional, because she takes the journey all the way back to her forest, and it's playing the last unicorn theme again, and... But well, there's that one part where when she like leaps up into the air on two hooves and it says, "I'm the song." I'm, I'm alive. alive. Yes, it's beautiful. Beautiful moment. Maybe it's it is really beautiful. I will say I think the reason why it's so touching to us because it does, even though it's bizarre at some points and things like that, and very like mystical but offbeat and avant-garde. It touches upon our own mortality. It touches upon some sacrifice. It touches upon feeling alone depression, bizarre relationships, surviving. There's a lot of different things if you read into it and you really, sometimes you don't even have to read into it. It does play into a lot of things that are very raw human emotion. Mortality in itself is is splattered throughout the whole movie. So I honestly believe that's probably why it's so touching. It's a good score. They got singers like they got in Greece too. No offense. But you know what? Pierce Bronson sang Oh god! And Mamma Mia, so I guess <laughs> I guess anything's possible. Don't hate on me. I love the movie. God bless him. I don't think you always have to be a singer. The best singer to do certain parts, but at the same time, if it's a musical, maybe hire somebody. I love Pierce Bronson, but maybe they should have got um Wolverine. What's his name? Oh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Huge Jacked yes. Man. Yeah, so that's the last unicorn. I feel triumph. I, and yes, and when she's uh, going back to when you said she's she's traveling back to her forest, and you hear the triumphant music, and the, and then there's actually a point where it slows yeah, down. Yeah, you hear crickety. Yeah, 
very mellow and very like sweet and soft and kind of drifts off, but almost like in a haunting sort of sad, but happy sad, which again, relates to the fact that she can regret. Yes, yes. And we don't see and her. And she will hold regret the for the rest of her life. We don't see her reuniting. We don't see her going back to where the animals. Because she has got something that no other unicorn has. She kind of has a soul, so yeah. to speak now. She has emotion, which I think is a beautiful thing, but can be also I guess for that type of creature, which is immortal, I guess, look at it this way. So, like, you you know how you see, like, vampire movies and stuff where the vampires are heartless? Or you see vampires that are tortured, like a Bram Stoker who lost his love. And imagine being sad and tortured for eternity. Or yeah, I think that's eternity, the as worst. As opposed to being like, I'm wonderful, I'm a unicorn, and I don't care. I could do whatever I want forever, and I'm self-centered. That's me. So, I gotta say, I love Mia Farrow's voice as the unicorn, besides the singing part. I, I think she brought, like, a gravity to it, a depth. That was this week's movie. Again, classic for us. It gave us chills. Well, it gave, gave me chills a few times, Larry. Oh my God. So I want to say something. I am so excited that one of our fans, and I can say that I love Zegward fan, actually suggested that we do a movie called Ruthless People with Bette Midler, which- This is for Jeanette. Thank you, Jeanette, for always listening, for always enjoying and liking and commenting. Yes. I love that movie. And I got to tell you something. There is a movie called is it drowning mona that also yeah, has got that yes, is it bet yeah. midler i feel like as a parallel to the character that she played almost unlikable at this i'm not gonna Ooh. go through it but anyway we'll talk about it but uh, thank you so much for the suggestion i love it it's so campy and funny the movie and it's got supergirl oh my god anyway so thank you so much jeanette for re- to actually telling yeah. us you know this is something we should review i'm really excited about it i can't wait to do it we'll be doing it soon yes. And I'm gushing over it because it's really cool. I love the interaction. Please keep it going. And super cool movie. And I'm so excited that we're able to to do that. So you can reach David at Universal Appeal 2020. All one word. <laughs> Daisy is a pumpkin. So my son, my little guy, just put found um, in the move. Yes, he put he put my dog Daisy in a pumpkin outfit from from all of her like from all of her like doggy clothing that we found in a, in one of the one of the storage boxes. So She's funny. getting ready to be Cinderella, turn into a, a carriage over there. You can reach the Radical Retro Rewind at Radical Retro Podcast one word Instagram. We are always updating that and our YouTube. YouTube channel please check that out as well always have videos up there and we will be back next week with an all new episode thank you again everyone for listening Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.